and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett. I'm the Editorial Director at PR Week, going to guide you gently through another show, second one of the year for me, the third one for my co-host, Frank Washkirk, who's the Executive Editor of PR Week. How are you doing, Frank? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Steve. Yep. Another busy week in PR land, and we're going to talk about a bunch of topics, an incredible amount of people moves, senior people moves last week which kept us busy. We'll talk about the World Economic Forum in Davos and the Edelman Trust Barometer that's always launched there. Donna Imperato retiring from BCW, Jim O'Leary leaving Edelman for Weber, Dave Sampson stepping up to take Jim's job, Ketchum hiring a new COO, CFO, and a New York University study. Is PR too liberal for its own good? We'll get into that with our guest, Michelle Egan, who's the incoming chair of the PRSA and also CC at Alieska Pipeline Service Company in Alaska. So welcome, Michelle, to the show. How are you doing? Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. Doing great. Yeah, great to have you on the show. Great to have uh, someone from Alaska, a PR pro from Alaska on the show. Tell us what the PR scene's like in Alaska. And uh, I think we, we don't know that many folks. We know Kristen Helvey. We've had her on um, our coffee break, I think, before. But uh, tell us a little bit about the PR scene over there. Yeah, lots of good work happening here in Alaska um, because we have really big industry type of activity. And of course, our political environment here is interesting. Uh, we've got Senator Lisa Murkowski, and we just had the ranked choice voting with uh, Representative Mary Peltola. So all across our communications industry here, there's a lot of interesting um, topics and a lot of interesting work going on. And is it really true you can see Russia from where you are? Almost. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that one in. That was unfair. That's um, all okay. right, <laughs> let's talk about your incoming chair role at the PRSA. The way that works is there's kind of a, a, a it's a 12-month role, but you're kind of getting used to it with the prior chair, and then you you help hand over to the next chair because 12 months isn't a long, lot of time. But tell us about the role. Yeah, I think you've got a, a new three-year strategic plan that you're going to be uh, rolling out. So talk us through it a little bit. Sure. Really excited about 2023 for PRSA and, and for industry in general. Last year and actually just a couple of days ago, we celebrated the 75th year of PRSA operations. And so that's a really big deal. Lots of wonderful legacy to celebrate there. Uh, my job is to usher in the next 75 years. And so we have a three-year strategic plan that was just um, built uh, in 2022. And we did extensive research um, with our members and non-members, getting lots of input on the organization and the state of the industry. Um, and so we have a plan ready to go. Um, and so 2023 will be the first year of that plan. And what are the sort of key um, strands to it, if you like, and uh, what do you hope to achieve in your term? Sure, there are, um, there are three pillars to the plan and the plan recognizes that our communications environment is really changing and things are changing for the professional. And so we need our organization to represent that and also to step up and be the voice for ethical communications. So we have a North Star. Um, the North Star is we are a community of ethical communications professionals building for tomorrow today. Um, and so there are three pillars of the plan, uh, build, 
influence and evolve. And the build piece is really recognizing um, that we play a significant role in the future of how people enter this industry, whether it's our students in PR SSA or people who are coming into the industry. Um, we have a lot to do to build for that future. The influence pillar is really about bringing that conversation about ethics and what good communications, ethical communications looks like to the forefront, not just for our members, but for the broader environment. Um, and then finally, the evolve pillar is really about the in, inside workings of the organization. How can we be uh, the best and most nimble, um, ready for the future organization? So that's looking at our technology, um, our staffing, all the sorts of things that would would make us ready for a long, long future. Yeah, Michelle, it's fair to say over the last few years, there's been a lot of a noise around the PRSA, not always positive. And especially during COVID, I guess that was a tough time for everybody. You're, you know, you weren't able to hold your big annual conference, which I think is a key event for the PRSA. And there was talk about revenues and the, the lack of revenues that you weren't getting from that, et cetera, et cetera. What do you, what, what, what's your sort of attitude to all that as, you, as coming in as, as, as the incoming chair and how do you draw a line under that and move forward um, you know whilst addressing what are obviously serious issues DE&I was another big uh, focus that you know PRSA took some heat on. Sure so we um, we have had some challenges in the last couple of years like like most organizations and we have spent a lot of our time and our history um, building our community around in-person events and of course that was really difficult um, during COVID and we canceled two of our biggest in-person events. And so that had a significant impact on the organization. We also really focused on serving our members during that time. We, we provide a lot of materials and things um, at no cost. And so we're, we're recovering from that uh, effort. Um, we've seen our membership in 2022 start to grow. And so we're happy about that. And then we're really excited that we just had our big international conference with 1,500 attendees. And that's a, um, that's a great number. It's a big shot in the arm for us uh, in terms of momentum and for our members and getting the chance to really be back together, learning and creating that community. So we hope to really continue that into the next year and, and further. Where's the conference going to be this year, Michelle, just so people can mark it on their calendars and, where, and when, when will Music it be? Music City. It'll be in October in Nashville. Okay. And so very much looking forward to seeing everyone in Nashville. Great city, great city. So yeah, um, get that one on your calendar. And where do you think you, you talked about making statements and ethics? Because it sometimes feels like the trade groups in the US maybe aren't as forward on that front as some in other parts of the world, you know, especially in maybe in the UK, you see the, the trade body there. Um, the PRCA making statements on issues and almost being like an arbiter. I don't quite see that as as the way the PRSA has positioned itself here, or frankly, any of the other trade bodies. What's your take on that? And is is that something you want to lean into a little bit more? Or do you have to be a little bit careful about how you step around issues like that? Well, it's really a passion of mine. It's what brought me to the PRSA board. Um, I've been a member and active for a couple of decades or more. Um, and then in 2017, uh, we made a very strong statement as an organization about alternative facts um, and the use of, of incorrect or inaccurate information um, to uh, 
to paint a certain picture. And we used our code of ethics to, um, to back that up. And so I was really proud of PRSA at that time. And I, I took that statement around our organization um, and shared it with a lot of my colleagues. Uh, and, and it really got me excited about the potential for PRSA. So you can absolutely expect us to double down on that. Um, and those statements will be around our code of ethics. Um, we have a really strong code. Uh, it's really clear on you know, the importance of the free flow of information, truth, trust, transparency, and all those things. So expect to see more from us in that area. Yeah, absolutely crucial issues. And you know, we're, we're all talking about chat GPT at the moment, which is an exciting AI um, technology, but it has also a potential dystopian potential too down the line rather than utopian. We're writing a piece on that this week. But in, in your own practice, how do you bring that ethical thought leadership to Alieska? Because uh, obviously you're working in the oil pipeline um, industry there. So that industry's come under a lot of scrutiny across the, the globe. Um, talk us through how you have the, those values, if you like, uh, infuse your everyday work and with your team and with, uh, with the company that you work for. Sure. So I, I sit at the executive team table. I'm a part of our executive um, committee or executive team. And I have since I joined the company 14 years ago. And so we regularly have conversations about um, transparency, about what our stakeholders expect of us and how we make good business decisions that deliver on um, on our promise to be a prudent operator. So it is definitely a part of my role in the company. And I think that's what more communicators are seeing is that they're at the table having these conversations about business decisions. And so we need to make sure that we're bringing forward any concerns and we're making sure that the, the company is standing by its values. Yeah, it's important. We'll talk about that a bit more when we get to about the World Economic Forum and Edelman's Trust Barometer as well. And, um, you know, just to finish up, what would you like to look back on at the end of your 12 months and have achieved you know, at the PRSA? And how do you want to move the organization forward? You mentioned we're all coming out of a difficult period. It's time where we can now maybe move on. We're back together in terms of physical events and, and being able to network, which is terrific. And everybody's enjoying that. What would you like to have um, looked back on in, in 12 months time? Well, I want us to really be focused on our members. We have 18,500 members plus another seven, 8,000 students. And so really listening to their needs and responding to them is, is job one. This influence factor is really important to me. So we want to convene some conversations um, within the industry about important issues, a lot of the things that you cover in your publication. And um, and I think we have a lot to say on the issue of where ethics plays in, in the environment. So you can expect to see that. We're also really happy to have the, the in-person events back. And so hope to see a lot stronger uh, participation in those going forward. Yeah, amen to that. Okay, well, thanks for chatting us through that, Michelle, and we'll get your input on all the big stories of the week. Frank, it's uh, the World Economic Forum in Davos this week. It's always an interesting event, lots of movers and shakers there, and Edelman always releases its annual trust barometer there. So what's what's struck you about uh, this year's forum? Well, the top line from this year's uh, Edelman trust barometer is that business is the only uh, societal sector that is considered both competent uh, and ethical, um, according to the trust barometer. And it has a 
big lead over government in terms of 54 percentage points ahead in terms of competence and 30 points ahead on ethics. And um, the reasons for that includes the treatment of staffers during the pandemic and return to work uh, have helped to fuel a 20 point jump on ethics over government in the past couple of years. Other reasons for that, Edelman CEO Richard Edelman uh, has highlighted businesses' response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, inclusion initiatives after the murder of George Floyd, uh, continued investment in environmental, social, and government efforts. Now, that's from the report itself. I think that uh, both you know what you can see in PR Week and in, in general media coverage from Davos, I, I think Richard Edelman has really been making the case that companies should not back off of uh, taking... Uh, stances on societal issues. I think he he emphasized, you know, speak up to employees about issues that matter in your local community. I think that's an important distinction uh, he was probably trying to make about the, the local community issues that are most important to your employees. But you, you really see him there urging businesses not to, to back off taking a stand on societal issues, investing in ESG uh, and things of that nature. Yeah, it's it's really that that is the purpose of Davos, isn't it, originally? So that is what people gather. But there are lots of conspiracy theories about this. I saw Elon Musk getting involved and he's characterizing the S in ESG as satanic, which seems a little bit um, extreme, shall we say, just when we thought he was uh, dialing down the rhetoric on Twitter. So Michelle, what's your take on, uh, I, know, I know you're familiar with the trust barometer and it's a piece of IP that I think a lot of PR pros refer to, especially in-house. And, um, but what's your take on the barometer and, what, and the findings of this year? I've used the trust barometer for years in my, uh, in my profession and in, in making the case, like we were talking about earlier, about um, the importance of trust and, and being true to your brand promises um, and, and what your stakeholders expect from you. So I'm happy to see um, corporate communications, you know, be at the center of that, right? If business is the most trusted and considered the most ethical piece of this work, then we have a we have a big role to play, and we also have a really big responsibility. Um, and so, I think it's a bar that we have to keep striving to clear. Interestingly, too, it says seventy-two um, percent of respondents want business to defend facts and expose questionable science being used to justify bad social behavior. Um, I, how do uh, how do businesses go about doing that? I mean, what's the uh, what's the way in that they can um, respond to disinformation like that? Well, we've had some really good work done um, in PRSA by some of our members around really making sure that you have a framework for deciding when you're going to weigh in, right? So do you have a process for assessing whether your company or your organization has any authority in the space, um, if it's consistent with your values, if it's consistent with your past behaviors, um, and then what do your stakeholders expect from you? So I think you you have to apply some rigor to making these decisions. It can't just be something's come up and people expect us to say something. How is it aligned with what the business is doing? I think that's the um, that's the trick. That's a really good point, and it's something we're going to discuss at our Crisis Comms Conference in DC in April. Because there's a lot of pressure from below, actually, from staffers to for people to make statements on all sorts of issues. And uh, sometimes you're right; it's not appropriate. So, yeah, it's a good point. Um, do you, what do you think of the whole idea of? The World Economic Forum, it gets a lot of flack, doesn't it, Michelle? People flying there in their private jets, you know, hanging out in a fancy ski resort, etc., etc. And that's the sort of case against. The case for it is that 
you can see a bunch of people in one place that it would take maybe 18 months to see all those folks if you were traveling around. So the net impact is actually um, less than it would be normally. So what, on balance, do you think it's a good thing to, to raise these discussions and have these, these sort of gatherings? Of course. I think anytime we can have conversations about tough issues um, and have different points of view exposed um, and discussed, then that's how we're going to get past some of the polarization that we have. So I'm, I'm optimistic um, that that's the outcome from some of these gatherings. What about Edelman's had some flack for working with fossil, you know, uh, energy clients and um, what, what lobby groups characterize as fossil fuel related clients. What's your take on that in terms of the ethics of working with clients like that, clients like yourself, to be, to be frank, versus helping them transform their organizations and actually we need to, you know there's certain things we need to keep the 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 wheels turning in our in our country to keep the lights on to keep the heat going so what's your sort of take on those debates Edelman got a bit of flack this weekend in the media around that about opining on it whilst also working with clients like that sure well again you know we want to be consistent right with with what our companies are um, or agencies are um, are standing for. At the same time, we all need good counsel um, and good communications uh, practices. And so I, I think it, it doesn't matter what the company, industry, government entity is, there's a, a really important role for communications in each of those organizations. And so I, I think that um, I'm not going to comment really on Edelman or the industry, but I work in the industry where I spend a lot of time making sure that our uh, our relationships are really strong um, and that we're meeting the expectations of our stakeholders. And I think that's probably exactly what they're doing. Yeah, for sure. On the move. Frank, last week was crazy, wasn't it? All these high-profile people stories in the agency sector raining down on us. Donna Imperato was the first of those, and she's uh, going to retire from BCW after a, a, a 25-year run. That's right. She is planning to retire for, as CEO of BCW Global, which includes their subsidiary agencies as well. Once a successor is appointed, uh, and she's working with WPP CEO Mark Reed to identify a new leader for the entire BCW group. So obviously going to be interesting to see who the replacement is. One interesting tidbit there, she she also led Conan Wolf for 15 years, and it's hard to believe that uh, Bursa Marcella and Conan Wolf merged already uh, five years ago. So one of the longest tenured CEOs in the industry and one of the, the big characters in the industry, too. And I think uh, I think a lot of people will miss seeing her at events and, and having her as part of the industry. Yeah, she was uh, newly minted PR Week Hall of Famer right. so, uh, in December, and uh, she didn't sound like someone who was retiring then, and, and I'm sure she'll be back in some form or fashion, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll still see her around, but we wish her well with that, and we'll be obviously following closely to see who takes over from her. Jim O'Leary, is uh, he's leaving Edelman for Weber. Now, that's always big news when a, a senior exec does that, isn't it? Really is, and I think this one is definitely a headline that caught a lot of people's eyes. Jim O'Leary is going to move over to Weber Shanwick as CEO of North America at the end of this month. Uh, he's reporting up to Susan Howe, who is the president of Weber. Uh, he's going to see all oversee all of the North American offices and operations uh, of the firm. He was Edelman's U.S. COO most recently, and that is a spot that uh, longtime industry veteran Dave Sampson, who our readers know from both Edelman and uh, a prior role at Chevron, is moving up into reporting to uh, U.S. CEO Lisa Osborne Ross. Yep. Yeah, um 
Dave Scott, he said he, he doesn't think you're doing it right unless you've got at least two jobs at Edelman. So that's uh, another. He's been uh, fer- ferried around different places, hasn't he? He had a little spell in Singapore looking after Asia. He had a spell looking after the New York office before Oscar Suris came in. So, yeah, Dave seems to be the go-to guy to, to bring in. Michelle, I think Dave's someone you're familiar with. I don't know if you had any thoughts on all those big moves. Just as a matter of interest, do you use big agencies or do you use a mixture of Alaska agencies um, for local work and and big and more global or national firms? Yeah, we're um, here at Alaska. We're partial to local agencies. Uh, but if we, you know, have a bigger opportunity or something that um, would benefit from having those bigger agencies, we wouldn't shy away from from reaching out. I do know Dave. He's a, a really great guy. He's got good strategic sense, and I think it's been a great move. He's been a good friend to PRSA as well, um, speaking at our conference a couple of years ago on a panel actually hosted by Errol Cockfield, who is joining the board as my senior counsel um, and who also came from Edelman. Yeah. Well, good, good people to work with. Yeah, Dave, they've had to retire from Chevron because they have a rule that you have to retire at a certain age and their CEO did as well. But he's certainly not retiring from the industry and he's uh, been very active since he moved to Edelman. And then over at Omnicom Towers, Frank Ketchum hired a new COO, CFO. Yes, that is Connor Nash, uh, who's going to be taking over both roles effective this week. Um, reporting to President and CEO Mike Doyle, uh, a member of the executive team. He replaces Alan Banner, uh, who had the role from August 2019 up until May 2022 when he left to join Lockwood as president and COO. Uh, He was previously at WPP, uh, where he held uh, various roles for agencies, including Gray and Ogilvy. So are the uh, chairs, have the chairs stopped moving, Frank, or can we expect lots more people moves? What are you hearing in the market? Was that just the New Year stuff started January, or what do, what do you think? It's been an exceptionally busy first few weeks of the year. Um, I think we are looking to see whether we are, what stage of the great resignation or post-great resignation we are in right now, and whether the people moves keep coming as fast as they are. Yep. It's uh, slowed a little bit. We've got a bunch of content about the future of work that's uh, dropping this week, and we'll chat about that next week as well. And some of those issues will be covered in that. Let's finish with this really interesting study from NYU, which we were involved with at PR Week. It came up with this finding that is PR too liberal for its own good? Frank, talk us through it. Well, the the statistics uh, show that how... PR pros identified does tend to be much more liberal than the general population. And it raises questions about the advice that they're giving clients uh, and members of their own C-suite about uh, societal issues and how to respond to crises and and all of those things. Um, I I think people generally are pretty good at separating their personal views from what they have to do professionally. So I I don't know if it's too liberal for its own good, um, but I I do think it raises the question of uh, just how important it is uh, for people to be able to to kind of think outside their own personal or political views and see the big picture sometimes. Yeah, what's your take on this, Michelle? I mean, we've got a a pretty divided country, haven't we, politically, where, you know, pretty much half the country thinks one thing, half thinks the other. But it does seem that we're a little bit over-indexing on the liberal end of the spectrum in in the PR profession. Is that a problem? Is uh, What's your take on it from, you know, being an an in-house practitioner? 
Yeah, I, th I thought it was a really interesting um, study and and fascinating to come around the same time as what we're seeing from Edelman, yeah. right? So we want companies and businesses to speak out on on societal issues, but yet we have this other side of whether or not PR and comms is too liberal. And so I think that's an interesting uh, interesting duo. Um, but it is our job to think like our stakeholders and take their perspective. And whether that's internally um, or investors or externally, um, we need to be able to take on all kinds of different perspectives. And so uh, we can do that with data. We can do that with research. We can do that with really good engagement. Um, and that's what we should be doing. And so it really our personal views should not be coming into um, into play. For PRSA, I, I can tell you the focus will be on ethics and not on whether an issue is, you know, a liberal or a conservative one. Um, if someone's playing fast and loose with ethics, we're going to make a statement about that. Yeah, well, you've got a fascinating insight because, um, you know, we're in a little bit of a New York bubble here. The big cities obviously are big locations for PR, but PRSA is in every town, every city in the country pretty much and has that overall view where where we, you will have more of a mix of views and opinions. So do you, do you think you'd get a very different view of the industry from that PRSA lens than maybe we do sitting in New York or at NYU, for example? I would, I would say we, we definitely get feedback from all sides um, from our membership. And so, you know, we, we try to navigate that. But yes, we do have a pretty, pretty broad lens, um, you know, East Coast, West Coast, and all the way in between. So we're fortunate that we have that, but it can make it difficult to agree on, you know, statements and when we're going to, when we're going to stand up. And so again, that's where I come back to, we've got to have those principles and stick to them. Yeah, I remember in 2016, Frank, I don't know if uh, the day after the election and President Trump was uh, elected, um, the CEO of LinkedIn sent out a note to all, all of his staff sort of saying, don't be downhearted, et cetera, et cetera. And a bunch of staffers in different parts of the country from the West Coast said, what are you talking about? We all voted for Trump, right? So making that assumption that everybody thinks the same is obviously not something you should do in terms of doing what Michelle says, which is taking into account all, all of your stakeholders and all the different shades of opinion. Yeah, no, I, I think that's true. I just wonder how, and, and I think you touched on this earlier, I, I wonder how inevitable this sort of skew between the professionals and the uh, the general public is just given the demographic um, audiences that we're talking about in that, you know, your PR as a, as an industry, you know, it, it tends to be, it tends to um, employ people who are, are college educated and maybe tend to lean left a little bit more. And I think in terms of the work people do, it also tends to, to bring in more people from, from that side of the political spectrum. And I, I just, I wonder if if this sort of difference is just inevitable and is, you know, the cost of doing business, so to speak. Yeah, traditionally, I guess it has been more of a right brain creative profession. Of course, that's changing. You need left brain skills now. You need technology, data, analytical skills. So maybe that's going to change the, the industry a little bit. And we should say that's not the whole of this report. It's well worth checking out. There's lots of other interesting nuggets in there about uh, how PR is not maybe doing as good a job as it should in promoting itself. We've all, we've all, often talked about that cobbler's children etc how they, they you know we need to be clearer to to get the message over what a great profession it is does the prsa have a view on that michelle and are you going to push that because if you went into a typical school or a university even would people know what pr people do you know i suspect they wouldn't actually 
Yeah, I think we are struggling as an industry because of all the convergence of different uh, parts of communications. And so that's a challenge to kind of carve that out and be clear about what that is. And we've did, done some work um, working with our members on making the business case for PR, uh, and we can't stop doing that work. I mean, it's it's so important. And certainly we've seen over the last couple of years how critical um, communications is and how executives are leaning on their communications professionals to to help solve, you know, difficult problems. And so it's, it's up to us to kind of take that opportunity and run with it um, and make that business case for, for what we do. We, we tend to be, um, we stand in the back and we push other people forward, but this is a time when we really need to advocate for ourselves and advocate for the work that we do. Um, so we get the resources that we need. I agree with that. And I think that's, um, you know, Richard Edelman in Davos is actually one of the few examples where you see a top PR professional out there um, talking about the industry, talking about what we do. You know, I don't think there's enough individuals like that out there. So we need to get that message over in the media, in the national mainstream media as well. So, yeah, um, lots of uh, interesting stuff in that study. So do check it out. All right, we've got lots of uh, customer service announcements. The PR Week Awards, they're the Oscars of the PR industry. They're going to be in New York City on March 16th. So make sure you've got your ticket for that. We're also having a, a second healthcare conference That'll be in NYC as well on the 24th of May. And in the evening, we'll have our healthcare awards. So uh, the final deadline for entries to that is the 25th of January. So do make sure you've got your best healthcare work submitted for that. If you want to submit a colleague or a client or a peer to the Women of Distinction or the Women to Watch program, you have until the 20th for the first deadline and the 27th for the final deadline to do that. And then we'll be celebrating Women in PR on the 31st of May, again in New York City. Our Global Awards, they will be in London on May the 9th. And you've got a little bit of time to get your entries in for that. So check those out. I mentioned the Crisis Comms Conference earlier in DC. That will be on the 12th and 13th of April. And the Brand Entertainment Awards, they have newly rebranded from the Brand Film Awards. They will be open. They're open for entries, and we'll be celebrating that in June. And uh, agency business report. Make sure your agency is submitting for that to be on the rankings tables and to submit your data for that. Very important industry research. So we're leaning into in-person. We're leaning into events and awards, and we're looking forward to seeing as many of you as possible in 2023, our 25th anniversary in the US. So big year of celebration of the profession and its development over that time. Michelle, thanks so much for joining us. Really uh, appreciate it. And good luck with your stint as chair of the PRSA. Thank you. It was a real treat to join you. Great to have you calling in from Alaska as well. Frank, always a pleasure. See you next week. And uh, we'll see you next time on the PR Week. PR Week.